This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. This is without question the most comfortable red sweater I've had on in six years. Uh, playoffs? What are you doing with a school bag on stage? You can't even read. If I don't eat breakfast, I'm f***ing pissed off. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Come around. Reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. The Nick and it's a touchdown by Nick Foles. Alba inside. It's Messi. Listening to the almost world famous wide open sports cast. We are broadcasting live on Singles Awareness Day. It is February 15th of the year 2019 at 6 58 p.m. And don't forget, you can find us, the Wide Open Sportscast, at Wide Open underscore sports on Twitter. And don't forget to find us at Wide Open Sportscast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn. So, Rick is actually away this week. He is with his father on their annual trip to the Daytona 500. So, we have two special guests joining us this week. First off, returning... For his second stint on the show, it is Goose, Joe Gleason. Glee, how you doing? How's it going, everyone? Happy Friday. Great to have you back, Lee. And also joining us this week for his second stint on the show as well, but in not as many weeks, our very own writer for Elite Sports New York, beat writing for the Jets and a variety of other, of bunch of other teams, it is Jeff Maglachetti. Jeff, how you doing, my friend? John, thank you for pronouncing my name right. I expect nothing less of you. Great to be back on the program. First time since uh, August of 2017, I believe. And it's great to be here under a new title, under a new team. And it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. How you guys doing today? Living, dude. About Waiting for this Ryder game to start. Uh, can't wait uh, to watch them lose. Maris game. Maris game. They, we started at 8, so we're playing Quinnipiac. Hope we pulled that one out. So. Nah, dude. Ryder starts at 7. Eh, Maris starts at 8, though. You're on air, my friend, with a kid in a Ryder Bronx lax jersey. <laughs> oh dear! Got to rep the uh, got to rep that uh, prominent club lacrosse team. <laughs> the, on the wall, they're actually me, decent now. On the wall next to me, I have a uh, Maris basketball poster with the uh, schedule on and everything. So, kind of put me in a bind here, but looking forward to uh, getting some. Great talk done today. You guys do a fantastic job. Great to be back. And just want to thank you for having me on the program. Yeah, of course, Jeffrey. It's always great to have you. And it's weird. This is the first time I'm ever doing the podcast without Rick. Oh, wow. Milestones here. Mountains. Yeah. We're almost on episode 50. We're on episode 44 now. 44 straight episodes. Rick and I did it together. This is the first one we're not doing together. Good Lord, man. Good Lord. I mean, episode 44. Fantastic job, guys. Great job. Uh, Star Wars, what are you doing? Try to keep up a little bit here with these guys. It's <laughs> 35 episodes away if you count episode 9 coming out in December. Can't wait for that. 
Um, but yeah, you guys do a great job. But with Rick not here, uh, you know, I, 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 of course, have only been on the show once, but I've listened to you guys. You do a great job. I hope it's not like, you know, The Office when Steve Carell left. But with you guys, I'm sure the show's in great hands. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. I was watching one of those episodes without Steve Carell. You're right. It's not the same. It's All not right. the same. I'll still watch it, but, you know, it's not the same. So, boys, let's jump into it. Um, only one way to rightfully start off the show this week is we got to jump into the NFL where we've had a few big news other than the world's worst Super Bowl. Um, fuck New England. All I'm going to say out there. Um, so, let's begin with Kareem Hunt being signed by none other than the Cleveland Browns. That news came out the other day. Of course, it cannot be official until the new season officially starts the new calendar year for the NFL. But, gentlemen, what are we thinking about Kareem Hunt being signed? Glee, we'll start with you. Well, we knew it was going to happen eventually. Um, at least I knew it was going to happen eventually. Just too talented and too young. Um, we saw with Ray Rice, age is certainly a factor, especially at the running back position. And so it, when teams are considering these types of transactions, um, I think the larger thing to look at with Kareem Hunt is I hate when the leagues think that they're, you know, law, or how should I say this? Like agencies that are in law and order, you know, defining like the justice system. Um, when things haven't even run their course in the justice system, they like to hand out guilty or non-guilty punishments. And to me, that's when things can get sticky. Yeah, they got real sticky there. Um, because so, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I, you just knew it was going to happen. I mean, John Dorsey drafted him and, you know, now he's with Cleveland. So, you know, he has a uh, hard on for him. Uh, Jeffrey, what are you thinking about the Kareem Hunt move? Well, this is certainly an interesting move by the Cleveland Browns, who are looking to no longer be the laughingstock many consider them to be. You know, they finally have some hope, you know, in the form of Baker Mayfield. Ended the season on a pretty good note. I believe they ended, what, 5-3 and three going into last season. Nearly kept the Baltimore Ravens out of the playoffs last year. And they're going to be a trendy sleeper pick next year. So this was a very interesting move to me. Talent-wise, undoubtedly, he makes the team better. On paper, this is a solid football move. But, you know, the moral implications of this are quite interesting indeed and quite debatable, in my opinion, because John Dorsey was speaking about during, I believe, the press conferences on either Tuesday or Wednesday. He was speaking about it, and he mentioned that, you know, Hunt is going to have a very short leash with this team. He was signed to a one-year deal, dollar amount not disclosed, I don't believe, but he was signed to a one-year deal, and he is going to continue to attend counseling and whatnot. So that's a step in the right direction, as is right now. Now, what's interesting to me is that Dorsey said he did not reach out to Hunt's victim in either this that 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 night in Cleveland, as a matter of fact, where he you know he had a vacation in a hotel, and you know it's just a heinous act of what happened over there. And Hunt has you know he exists. He has indeed expressed remorse over this, but, you know, there's no way to truly tell whether this is going to be a recurring incident again, because news also emerged that Hunt had an altercation, I believe, with a male as well, that he got into an altercation with him as well, and that this is going to, you know, you really have to consider whether this is going to be a recurring theme or not. And what you said, Joe, was very interesting in that, you know, the league does try to play judge, jury, and execution 
sometimes in this league. And we've seen it so much. We've seen it happen so often. This league has botched several domestic violence situations. It's a, it's a heinous problem. It's a disgusting problem. And unfortunately, has only grown more prevalent as things have gone on. And, you know, there was the mishandling, the complete mishandling of the Ray Rice situation where they suspended him two games originally. And then that video came out. And I don't know why it took a video of them actually being on the elevator. We saw them getting on the elevator and then him dragging his fiance out of the elevator. What did the NFL think they were doing right there? That's that was disgusting. They mishandled that situation on its own right there. But then they also mishandled the Josh Brown situation in which the New York Giants were able to sign the kicker, even though after they knew that there was still things going on. So obviously the NFL wants to cover their tracks in this right now. They want to make sure they do their due diligence. I mean, look what happened with the Ezekiel Elliott situation. That that was an on and off thing until he finally served the six games during the 2018, during the 2017 season. So I definitely think this is going to be a situation to watch. Uh, if the Browns obviously believe that Kareem Hunt is remorseful and that forgiveness and rehabilitation are possible. But right now, this is a scheme. This is something that the NFL needs to consider. They need to cover all their bases. They need to make sure that this does not happen again. They need to make sure that Hunt is remorseful. And they need to make sure that every story, every party is accounted for in this situation. But now, my question to you guys is... One, do you think that it's more than likely to happen again? Because we remember that Kareem Hunt did get himself into trouble in college. And secondly, this is a big question that has been debated. Um, obviously, there were a giant amount of fake news uh, tweets that the New York Jets had signed Colin Kaepernick um, right after Kareem Hunt got signed. Um, what do you think it says about the fact that Colin Kaepernick still is without a job where now you've had multiple players who have been charged with domestic abuse um, charges have been reinstated into the NFL in some way. Uh, Jeff, let's start with you. Well, the Colin Kaepernick situation is very interesting. A few hours ago, the league finally settled with both Kaepernick and Eric Reed. So this this proves show this settlement shows not that Kaepernick probably didn't have a case, but that evidence of blackballing was indeed somewhat discovered, and the NFL was looking to make some sort of settlement. So I definitely think that both of these situations are somewhat distracting. Kaepernick, I believe, has a bit more of a case to make with his blackballing and whatnot because you see some of the names that have been called upon to, you know, be a backup quarterback right now in this league. So. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't. I th I was a little bit surprised that Kareem Hunt was picked up so quickly after after the video was released by TMZ. You know, this was less than a calendar year, not even six months. I believe it, it's two months at the most that this video was released, and it was released in late November, and here we are in February. So, yeah, two and a half months, basically, that Kareem Hunt w was on the free agent list. So that was very inter interesting to me and was a little somewhat surprising to me because you figured the NFL with some of the teams would have learned their lesson by now. And, you know, make sure they do their due diligence on these guys. Make sure they look into every avenue of rehabilitation, of remorse, and whatnot. So that's what's interesting to me, and it's a problem that I don't believe is going away in the NFL, unfortunately, anytime soon. Dude, no, we, we've seen no evidence of that at all as the league has gone on under the uh, Roger Goodell era. Um, Glee, what's your take on it? I mean, I don't have much else to add. Um, sums it up pretty well, <laughs> Jeff. I think we're doing just fine without Paul. Jeff seems to. But, um, yeah, I... I 
I don't know. Do you, I do you want to save the Kaepernick discussion for a little later, or? I mean, we can pretty much lead into it now because I think all three of us can pretty much be in an agreement that this is going to make the Browns, judging off of signs that we've seen, a playoff contender. Would you agree with that, the both of you? Absolutely. Oh, good. No, I was just going to say absolutely. I mean, you saw them last year. They won what seven games last year, and I mean, it was. They have the first half of their the first third of the season they were dealing with the, probably the worst coach in the history of the NFL. So you could see now with the whole offseason, Baker Mayfield, I don't see him taking a step back. I could see them right around nine, ten wins. Not and that division is not looking very good. I mean, you just saw I'm not a huge Lamar Jackson fan, so I don't think the Ravens take a step forward and you're seeing the Steelers uh, implode from within and the Bungles are the Bungles. So I could easily see the Browns, uh, you know, playing well in division games and sneaking in at nine, ten wins. And let's not forget that one of the best players in that division is soon to be leaving, but we'll be getting into that in a few. So why don't we lead into that conversation? Because, again, Jeff, on your Twitter, at uh, JeffMags5490, we've seen that you, um, one of your hot takes going into the next NFL season is that the Browns will be a playoff team. Let's get into that Kaepernick um, thing. What do we think about that with the NFL um, reaching the settlements with him and Eric Reed as well? Um, Jeff, you start us off. Yeah, I really don't have much to add to the Kaepernick situation. Look, does he have enough talent to be in this league? I think he does have enough talent to at least be a quarterback in this league, but the thing is, you know, teams don't want to, you know, dedicate this amount of money and dedicate this amount of publicity to a guy who will generate this amount of buzz. So I, I, at the end of the day, I think he does have the talent to be in this league. He does have and you can make a case that some teams do have to, you know, somewhat, quote unquote, get over it a little bit and bring him in. But unfortunately, his his antics, unfortunately, have not have not stopped at his at his anthem protest, because remember, there's a story coming out in San Francisco that he was you know he, he he wore those pig socks at one time and you definitely can't go into a game against the miami dolphins and rem- and wearing a shirt bearing the image of fidel castro and basically coming out and saying you know castro did some nice things so those are distractions and those are some controversial positions that you know it goes far beyond i believe his protests but does he d- does he belong does he deserve a job in this league based on talent alone i think so because you look at some of the other names that have been chosen in this league you know guys like nathan peterman guys like mark Sanchez, guys like josh johnson who had to come back from his aaf team to help the washington redskins at the end of the day so i definitely think based on pure talent alone he deserves a job in this league and that's pretty much all i have to say on that subject dude nate peterman man way way too funny i i it, it I think I saw a Valentine's Day card today that said, um, I will pick you to be my Valentine with um, Nate Peterman on there. Um, Very nice. That was a classic. Uh, Glee, <laughs> what's your take on the Kaepernick um, situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, if you look, at, he only has to be a top, what, 50, top 60 quarterback. Well, at least a top 60 quarterback to have a job in the NFL, which he certainly is. Um, so, I th- so, and the settlement earlier today really tells you exactly how the league felt because the league takes things head on if they think that they have any chance to uh you know write their good name or show themselves in a better light and for them to settle like this which the reports are 60 to 80 million uh was probably the price tag for them to settle like this uh definitely shows that they felt that colin was indeed blackballed and that he or that he would have a case 
and it, you know it's it's been talked at ad nauseum, but people looked at you know what how he was protesting instead of what he was protesting, which is a shame. But, but we'll see. I mean, I'm curious now. Uh, the AAF thing. Um, the interesting discussion was because he was offered a position, I guess, and he wanted more money than the payroll could afford or the salary cap could afford, and which I thought was the right move because if he takes a position, then he loses his argument that he can't play football, quote-unquote. But now that he's settled, I'm curious if he decides to go to the AAF and you know maybe use that as a bigger platform and still get to play football. Because I'm sure part of the settlement was go away and never come back. Right. Because I've seen that the AAF has... Um, I see that the AAF has reached out to both Kaepernick and Tebow, but Tebow obviously denied because he is currently in the Mets minor league system, most recently with the Binghamton Rumble Ponies in AA, uh, where we saw him last year. Almost caught a foul ball by Tim Tebow, holding a John 316 sign. I mean, come on, everybody. But (laughs) (laughs) um, with that, guys, what do you think is the likelihood we see Kaepernick in the AAF, and if he gets in the AAF, do you think that he'll make an impact there? Well, we're going to get into the AAF in a little bit, but do you think we see Kaepernick there first? I think we. I don't think we're going to see Colin Kaepernick play in the AAF. Simply put, I think Kaepernick wants to focus on off the field activities because say what you will about Kaepernick, he has done some things. He has done some good things in do, in donating some of his money to some good or, or good organizations. He has indeed put his money where his mouth is, and I think he's at a point right now where you know he much rather focus on you know activism and off the field activities. Of course, that's just my opinion. I can't put words in his mouth or anything or whatnot, but I definitely think he's at the point where he is more comfortable with with focusing on activism rather than true football activities right now. If he's back on the field, go, go ahead. If he wants to focus on if he does if he gets this opportunity, by all means take it. If he's going to but it has to be at the reasonable price because there are reports out right now that you know that he wanted a twenty million dollar salary. They are unconfirmed by the way. So you know you want to you want to make sure you get all, you know the entire story before you pass any judgment. But at the right price, if he wants to take it Go ahead. That's his prerogative. If he wants to focus it on activism, by all means, do the same thing. Because you know what, you could do you could do whatever you want in this nation. That's his decision. He could worry about his, his his own his own decisions. Everyone else can worry about theirs. So that's why I think I don't think we will see him on the AF field. I think both either way, both can do what they want to do. They can achieve their individual goals without necessarily working mutually. America, am I right? <laughs> so, um. Glee, let me lead you into this because we pretty much just talked about the Browns and does the signing of Kareem Hunt create the Browns as a playoff contender. Antonio Brown, obviously the big news is that he has requested a trade. He's made out that big tweet saying, you know, thanks for the memories, Pittsburgh, it's time to move on. Glee, I'm going to have you lead into this. Is he going to get his trade first off? Because Pittsburgh does not have to get rid of him. Um, where does he go and is this the end? Is this the start of the end for the Steelers, Glee? What do you think? Uh, well, first of all, I think this the end of last year when they couldn't beat Jacksonville. They kind of lost the most. Um, you know, they always had the ability to go into anywhere and beat anyone, and Jacksonville kind of beat them at their own game. And you could kind of see that team start to fall apart. 
Um, so I would say that would be the start of the end. And I think this is the end of the end because now you lost Le'Veon. They're not going to go down the same path that Le'Veon went down or they went down with Le'Veon, which is why I do think they try to trade him. They don't want to have him, especially with him constantly going to social media and saying that he's out. Uh, it, I don't see them wanting to go through that again. And it's something where he's just too valuable to cut. I mean, even if it's, I just don't see two teams not willing to get into a bidding war and at least offer, you know, I mean, you look at Brandon Marshall, the Jets got him for, what was it, a fifth rounder? or so, I mean, I, I don't see AB getting anything less than, especially if you have two teams get, bidding against a second or a third. I mean, he's just that good. Um, what are your thoughts, Jeff? You know, I think the thing about Antonio Brown is, you know, he's he's hyped this thing up long enough. Just move on. Every, let both sides get on with themselves. And I do believe that this could be the end of the Pittsburgh Steelers as we know it. Now, granted... I'm interested to see what Pittsburgh does with their future quarterback situation. Ben Roethlisberger, he may be nearing the end of his career on his own right now. And Pittsburgh has brought in two contingency options. First being Josh Dobbs, who they drafted in 2017. He got a few snaps this year. And they also brought in Mason Rudolph, a thrower from Oklahoma State. Now, I used to be very prejudiced against Big 12 quarterbacks in the NFL because, let's face it, none of them had a truly you know stellar track record in this league. But... Patrick Mahomes really surprised me this year. You know, I really doubted Patrick Mahomes because I thought he was no different from all the other Texas Tech QBs that came into this league. You know, the Graham Harrells, the Cliff Kingsburys, the the <clears throat> Sonny Cumbies out there right now. So his rise was a bit of a shock to me. I figured, you know, he's throwing the ball 70 times a game. Of course, he's going to get 800 yards. But he did a great job proving me wrong. I'll fully admit I missed the bell on that one. So this is a big good time for big total quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield's another one whose stories started to buck that trend. Because prior to their arrivals in the NFL, who was the most successful alum in the NFL? Was it Andy Dalton, perhaps, who was there at TCU? right as they were entering the Big 12? Was it perhaps even Josh Freeman, who was a star at Kansas State? Who knows? But Here's the thing. Uh, it's it, it, So it's going to be interesting to see what Mason Roth does. And they still have, you know, the services of Juju Smith-Schuster, who has turned himself into a valuable receiver in its own right. But what the Steelers have to do right now, they need to start preparing for the post-Ben Roethlisberger era. And to do that, you must first get through the post-Antonio Brown era. The AFC North, as we mentioned, is going to be a division a bit on the rise in terms of the Cleveland Browns. But also you have to consider what the Baltimore Ravens are doing right now. <laughs> Lamar Jackson does have a lot to work on moving forward, but I don't think we should, you know, cancel his career just on the basis of one playoff game, a playoff game earned, if only because of the antics of Lamar Jackson, who truly provided a spark to the Baltimore Ravens lineup once once he took over for Joe Flacco. So I definitely think that the Steelers, you know, they might get lost in the crowd a little bit. I really don't have much faith in the Bengals, by the way, for the time being. And, you know, the Browns right now, it is the Browns' division to lose. So I definitely think that watching the Steelers, they need to get through this post-Antonio Brown era with something in their pockets. They need to make sure that they get something in a potential trade for Antonio Brown. Because if if this keeps up in Pittsburgh, if what we saw in the second half of last season keeps up, Mike Tomlin won't be around for the post-Ben Roethlisberger era. And, you know, the Steelers, they're very prideful. They, you know, they've had, what, three coaches in their entire existence? Noel, Cower, and now Tomlin, or at least three coaches since the 70s at this point. So I definitely think that this, they're going to be one of the more intriguing teams to watch this offseason. No, I definitely agree with you on that one because, of, Jeff, like you said, their proud history. Like, when was the last time that the Steelers were bad? Like, 
I really can't name the last time that yeah, the Steelers that, struggled. Well, and a lot of that has to do with they've had three coaches over their history, and so there's never been that lame duck period. I mean, you had when Chuck Knoll retired, he didn't leave because he got fired. He got he left because he was old, and you had a Bill Cowher come into a ready-built team. Right. When Bill Cowher left, you had a Mike Tomlin come in, and there was a ready-built team. So there's there was never this lame duck period. But the thing I wanted to go back to what you said about the Steelers having Jeff uh, about the Steelers having to get value from AD. Of course, they definitely have to. I don't think that there's a way that they get less than a third. I mean, what did Amari Cooper go for? A second rounder? Is that is that? What, I mean, that's uh, Jerry. That's Jerry. What was it? Cooper went for a first rounder. A first rounder that ended up being much lower than ever anticipated because Cooper, let's face it, transformed that offense. That was a that was an interesting trade at the time, and you know. I didn't really. I wasn't a fan of that trade at the time because you know I didn't feel that giving up a first rounder was going to be beneficial yeah. for the Cowboys because I didn't believe that trade made them you know a de facto yeah. championship contender in the NFC. But it turns out it turned them into one of the more better things, and all's well ends well. Well, and it was no. It, it, there was no way that you knew that they were going to be able to use that Amari Cooper as well as they even did. I mean, you could make the argument they didn't even use him that well, especially early on, but. That because that offense, I mean, I think they they eventually fired the the coordinator just because, yeah, have, and yeah, and, and Garrett. I mean, it's all Garrett's, but that offense. I mean, it was it was so um, rudimentary. It was so basic, and even they still were able to do something with it. So even with that, they got a first rounder. I mean, granted, Jerry just paid out the ass for it, but I think that there's no way the Steelers can't get two teams to bid up and make it at least a second rounder. And yeah. if that's the, if that's the case. I, I, I don't see how it's – at this point, it's untenable. And, and the Steelers, you know, for, they, they haven't done well drafting what they usually draft in terms of linebackers and secondary the past few years. But receivers, they've, they've hit the head on the nose. I mean, there was a few busts um, about seven to eight years ago. They had, they, had some, they had some busted receivers. But the past five years, every receiver they hit has been golden. So take another second rounder, get the next A.B. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, they've they found some terrific diamonds in the rough. Of course, there have been misfires, you know, probably perhaps in the form of, say, uh, Limus Swede, for example, who came out of Texas, if, as we all know. But I, I think you're right about that. And what struck me interesting about the Cowboys this season, as a matter of fact, I know we're getting a little off topic here, but one thing I want, but also I'll be quick on this, but one thing that struck me as interesting of the Cowboys was that their defense rose to the occasion after coming after full, after failing to make a stop so many times in the fa- in the past, I think that's what did the Tony Romo era in because Romo would be scoring forty points a game, getting four three hundred yards a game, but the defense would fail to make a stop late, and that ended up costing them playoff berths entirely in some years. But the Cowboys' defense rose to the occasion, and I'm looking forward to see what the Cowboys can do in this new offense under Kellen Moore, who of course is one of the one of the winningest, I believe, the winningest quarterback in NCAA history over at Boise State. So it's definitely going to be an interesting time. And you look at some of the you look at some of the draft picks that the Steelers have had. They've done a great job, you know. Some of the, the like you said, the defenses have not panned out. Artie Burns has not panned out. Bud Dupree so far has not panned out. Ryan Ch- Ryan Chazier, you know, he may he get well soon. Uh, really hope to see him back on the field sometime soon. But they've done a good job in terms of the receivers, guys like Martavis Bryant, guys like Sammy Coates, even a tight end. They brought in Jesse James a couple years back. So watching the Steelers are going to be one of the more interesting, theory, interesting teams to watch. And the Steelers at this point, like we've mentioned, they 
rarely, if ever, have had extended losing seasons. I believe the last time they had it was in briefly after the late in the Null era, where they went eighty three and eighty three through eighty six. They missed the playoffs for four consecutive seasons shortly after everyone from the dynasty retired. So basically, we're not used to seeing the Steelers struggle and. When you look at the Steelers right now, even if they do trade Antonio Brown, they have enough talent to survive. They're, they're a team that could go five and eleven, eight and eight, twelve and four, and you wouldn't be and you wouldn't be shocked at any of those results. So definitely a team that you have to keep an eye on. No, I definitely agree with that one, especially with that part that you said about they could get any one of those three, and we would just be like, oh, that's okay. Um, speaking of teams transforming. Um, before we get ready to jump into some stuff on the NBA, um, the other big news out of the NFL this week is Joe Flacco going to the Broncos. And, Jeff, you and I were kind of BSing about this um, earlier on. Jeff, what do we think about Joe Flacco heading to the Broncos? I think it's one of the more interesting moves you're going to see this offseason because Denver right now is basically – they're pulling the plug on the Case Keenum experiment right now, and it's basically continuing their search for a franchise quarterback in the post-Peyton Manning era. So here's the thing about Joe Flacco. Do I think that Flacco does get more flack than he's than he deserves? Yes, I do think so. It's not often a Super Bowl MVP and a guy who has often had the New England Patriots number as often as Flacco has get falls into your lap. And, of course, you could get Eli Manning from that, too, but that's another discussion entirely. But here's the thing about Denver. In today's NFL, look at the teams around this league. I'd say about 24 to 28 teams have a guy on their roster right now, right at this moment, that they at least envision is the quarterback within five years. Now, I'm not saying that these guys are going to be the quarterback in the next five years. Like, for example, Arizona. Arizona, if all things pan out, Josh Rosen would be their man at the starting quarterback in the next three to five years. But we have no idea who that, how that's going to pan out. Denver is one of the rare minorities in this group in that they have no idea who is going to be their quarterback in the future right now. They're also in that boat with Washington. Of course, Alex Smith, it's great to see he's recovering, recovering from that horrific injury he suffered last fall. But right now, they're in a situation where agency options are either Colt McCoy or Josh Johnson or Mark Sanchez. So they're definitely going to be looking for a quarterback in this in this draft. You also have to take a look at, at teams like Jacksonville, who will be moving on from Blake Bortles. Miami plans to move on from Ryan Tannehill. The Giants have need, desperately need to plan for the post-Eli Manning era. So it's definitely going to be a interesting case for Denver if they t they're picking number ten this year, and there could be a chance that set that one of the top quarterback prospects is available to them at this point. This quarterback class is nowhere near the the has nowhere near the number of accolades last year's class had. You know the Sam Darnold, the, the Josh Rosen, the Lamar Jackson, the Baker May the, the Baker Mayfield class. So right now, your top options in that class are probably Drew Locke out of Missouri, Daniel Jones out of Duke. Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, and of Ooh. course, this week, Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma, who turned down the chance to play football. To, to, what am I saying? He turned down a chance to play baseball, will definitely be committing to himself to football moving forward. So this puts the Broncos in an interesting spot at number 10, and you could you could do much worse than having 
Flacco as a mentor right now. Because look at Denver. They have some pieces in there right now that could be that could shape up for a very strong offense. Philip Lindsay turned out to be a diamond in the rough, an undrafted rusher that rose to the occasion. Cortland Sutton can be a dependable deep ball target. Flacco probably has enough in the, in the tank for them to at least, you know, contend more than they did this season with Case Keenum at the helm. But <clears throat> But Flacco's also going to be in a position where, you know, he might be expected to turn the reins over to yet another first-round talent. And th- and as a Jets writer, this has actually gotten us talking in some circles that someone could try to trade up with the Jets at the number three slot like they did with the Indianapolis Colts this season in selecting Sam Darnold. So that's going to be a- very interesting. And I think that the Kyler Murray situation in which he declared for the, and in which he fully committed himself to football this week definitely gave the Jets some more capital to work with. So it's going to be very interesting for Denver moving forward, another team we desperately have to watch this offseason. It's definitely a, a monumental trade, but I don't believe the Broncos are by any means done at their quarterback slot moving forward. Oh, man. So from what you just said, it's basically like RIP to my boy, St. Nick Foles. Um, Glee, let me lead you in with this one. Uh, continuing with the Flacco discussion before I know you have some Jets questions for Jeff to wrap it up. Um, I saw something today, a little article that said that by making this move, Elway has officially made the move to get a quarterback that he probably would have blown with the 10 pick. Do you, Gleason, agree with that statement that this is going to save the Broncos for another draft pick because some pundits are basically saying that if they didn't have this it would have been down to Elway and you've seen what's happened with the quarterback move since he's taken over what do you think Joe yeah I mean I, I don't trust him to evaluate quarterbacks at all I mean he's looking for quarterbacks that ran offenses in 1992 not you know 2022 and so I think I, I think the, the, the signing for what it is I think was or the trade I guess um is what they should have done. Um, the, the class isn't particularly high um, in terms of talent. So I, I kind of wanted to, to see, I guess now that Flacco's off the board, what quarterbacks, what you know, previous quarterbacks that have started this past year on one team, do you guys see making a move elsewhere and being you know, at the most successful, I guess? So uh, like, for instance, I'll lead off by saying I think Ryan Tannehill is the most talented of all the quarterbacks available. Um, I, I I think Tannehill, if you look at what he's done when he's healthy versus what he has dealt with in Miami's just the, the offensive line is just horrendous. Um, when he's been there, I think at one point before he was hurt, when he got hurt finally this past year, he was um, nine of his last 12 games he had won. So I... I I think he's the most talented. I want to see what your guys' opinions are. I mean, obviously, it's oh, no you're surprise. a big dick, Nick. yeah, big dick Nick, big okay. dick Nick, uh, Saint Nick. I is forgot gonna be about leaving. him. Yeah. But I okay. mean, but I will say this though about um, I guess for age, you would take Foles over Tannehill in terms of age. I'm sorry, what were you saying, Fitz? No, you're good. So, 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 what I'd be saying about Saint Nick again, and um, Jeff and I were talking about this before you got on, Goose, was that. Foles, no matter how much I love the guy, he beat that SOB Brady and proved why he's the St. Nick Foles. Um, The thing is, name me a single NFL city outside of Philadelphia where Nick Foles has been successful. Does Tucson, Arizona count? 
No. <laughs> so that's my thing with Nikki. Like, dude, I love him, you know, but my thing with him is I'm waiting to see if he's going to be successful outside of the um, outside of Philadelphia because all signs are pointing to the fact that he's leaving. The, the Eagles can franchise tag him, but uh, it's looking like it's not going to happen. The Eagles are going to let him walk because they know, like, you know, you've done your job. You won us that coveted ring. You finally did it. Um, you know, go enjoy your career because there's no point. Like, it, it's obvious to everyone that Foles could go start somewhere else in the NFL and not sit behind Wentz because the Eagles have repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly said Wentz is the future. Um, and don't say that to any bandwagon Eagle fans because they'll freak the hell out on you. But it's true. The Wentz is the future of the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's only fair with Foles' age and what he's done to let him ride off into the sunset. He's already did his part. He has a statue in front of the stadium. So um, I do think that... It's just I'm not going to call him the best available just because, again, it's his track record outside of Philadelphia. I will give him an edge over Tannehill because where has Tannehill been other than Miami? But, again, the only thing that's restricting me from that is, yes, Foles is a Super Bowl MVP. Yes, he delivered us that glorious ring. But you look at his tenure in St. Louis. Granted, it was Jeff Fisher and Kansas City, and he wasn't that successful. Uh, Jeff, what's your take? Well, you're absolutely right about Foles. He has yet to prove that he can handle the... And the other thing about Foles is, like, yes, obviously, he went on one of the most magical runs a quarterback could have in recent NFL playoff memory. But consider this. When was the last time Nick Foles has handled the grind of playing a majority of the NFL season? So it's been quite a while for that. But, of course, I believe some team excuse me, is going to get conned into into paying him a massive amount of money. We've seen it with Super Bowl MVPs, MVPs before. Super Bowl 30, Larry Brown, cornerback for the Cowboys. Two huge interceptions that Neil O'Donnell lifted right to him in a 27-17 Cowboys victory over the Steelers. What, what happened next year? The Oakland Raiders gave him a massive contract. He barely, he barely played the rest of it and was out of the league a couple years later. Look at Dexter Jackson of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A couple huge interceptions in that crazy game. And, Benham, you want to talk about worst Super Bowl ever. Can we just collectively agree to, to erase that Buccaneers-Raiders Super Bowl from memory? I mean, what, Rich Gannon threw five, six interceptions in that game? Two alone to Dexter Jackson, who ended up going to Arizona the next season, and he likewise was forgotten soon after. So here's the thing about Nick Foles. He's definitely going to con some team, I believe, into giving up a good part of their future capital for him and the Eagles are wise you know to stick with Carson Wentz Wentz has proven that you know he's done a solid job this season he's done the solid job with what's been given to him and this team is built around him the Eagles made it clear that they were going to stick with Wentz no matter what when they traded up to get the number two pick and take Wentz out of North Dakota State. So that is so Wentz isn't going anywhere. Foles, on the other hand, is going to be con some team into making him a franchise quarterback, even though he has yet to take the load of a full NFL season in quite some time. But in terms of guys, other guys who are on the market right now, what you're, Joe, what you were saying about Tan Hill is interesting because. It seemed like this year Ryan Tannehill was entering what felt like his fifth consecutive make-or-break season. How many times did the prognosticators look at the Dolphins and we all said, oh, look, this is, the, this is it for Ryan Tannehill. It's now or never. And every single year we seem to go through this exercise. But unfortunately right now he's a bit too injury-prone and he's a bit too, he's a bit too inconsistent because – 
Can anyone really name a big game that Ryan Tannehill has won at this point? Maybe the Miami Miracle, and that was more Kenyon Jokes than his own. So that's definitely something to look forward to. I think he'll he could definitely be a guy. The way I see it, Ryan Tannehill's status in five years is that he'll either be a dependable backup in this league or he'll be playing in the AAF slash XFL if it still exists at that time, of course. Now, the quarterback that intrigues me most in this free agent class is Teddy Bridgewater. Now, it does sound a little hypocritical. I completely understand because I just ripped on Ryan Tannehill for being injury prone. And now I'm singing the praises of a guy who, you know, missed two, almost two full years due to, due to an injury. But Teddy Bridgewater was one of the more interesting cases of the NFL preseason, I believe, this year. Because he ha- he went in with so much to prove in Jets camp this year. He go- he went in, and it was basically a foregone conclusion that he there was a chance for him to start the season. But there was no way in heck he was going to end the season as a starting quarterback. Sam Darnold was just waiting in the wings. But he went in this preseason, and he proved he could take the load of an NFL game all over again. He he succeeded with starters. He succeeded with backups during preseason action. And he really proved to himself and proved to the NFL world in general that he had the op- that he had the guts per se to return to an NFL field and operate an offense pretty well. So that's going to be one of the more interesting cases. He of course was traded to the New Orleans Saints at the end of the summer, and he was brought in to potentially be this, the heir apparent to Drew Brees because the Saints have done little, if anything, to prepare for the post-Brees era. Whereas the ill-fated Garrett Grayson at the Colorado State experiment a few years back, but that, of course, did not go according to plan. So it'll be interesting to see whether New Orleans throws a bunch of money to, to Bridgewater to continue to be the heir apparent to Brees, who definitely isn't going nowhere after, after the brutal way New Orleans season ended this year. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see whether he is called upon elsewhere to be someone's franchise quarterback or he is called upon to be just a little more patient in New Orleans for a couple seasons more, perhaps. Very well done, gentlemen. So before we jump in to Bets with Goose, Joe, I believe you have some quick questions for Jeff about the Jets. Yeah, I just wanted to see what his opinion was on. Um, I got basically three three topics um, that I want three nuggets. Um, so I guess the first one that I'll discuss is: What do you think will be the biggest difference in terms of? Um, I don't want to say just culture because that's too general, but specifically on the field um, between the difference between the hierarchies of the Bulls staff versus what Gase and Williams are putting together. What do you, what are you going to see in terms of, I don't know, the, just the way the team plays on the field? In terms of philosophies, this team is going to look very different because for the past few seasons, Todd Bowles preached, very much preached, a defense-first approach to this league. Now, Super Bowl 53 notwithstanding, that is a very archaic way to look at this league at this point because we look at scores these days, 300-yard games for quarterbacks are now as routine as extra points. 100-yard games for running backs, likewise as routines. 1,000-yard seasons, that sort of thing. These things are routines. And now scoreboards light, light up like pinball machines because many people believe the future of this game is almost like the Big 12 in a way. How many high-profile games did we play this year that saw the scoreboard light up again like a pinball machine? The prime example, of course, being that Monday night thriller between the Rams and the Chiefs in L.A. The Jets, on the other hand, tried to do things a little differently, and they tried to, you know, base things on the defensive side of the ball, and that did not work out to their favor. 
So with the Adam Gase hire, along with bringing in Dowell Loggins, the Jets are in a position where they have, you know, the biggest hope for their franchise quarterback in quite a long time. Because when's the last time the Jets had, you know, long-term confidence in a quarterback? Chad Pennington did pretty well, but unfortunately he was injury-prone. And I hate throwing around that term, injury-prone, because football's a tough game. And, you know, I don't blame these guys for getting hurt. There's a reason I'm sitting here talking about the game rather than playing it. And you know what? These guys could take a hit much, 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 much better than I ever possibly could. So I hate using that term, but, you know, it. unfortunately, it's sad but true. It's nothing personal in this league, just business. And you look at the other successes they had. Ken O'Brien, maybe he was the last franchise quarterback they had back in the 80s. Solid job, just never really took them to the promised land. Vinny Testaverde had a thing, had a good thing going, but he was never seen as franchise material due to his advanced age and ended up getting hurt a year after leading the Jets to the AFC title game against the Denver Broncos in 1998 after the 1998 season. So I definitely think the Jets are going to go back to basics a bit in this league, and they're definitely going to put a focus on the offensive side of the ball. Let's face it, this team is going to, go, is going to rise and fall with the progress of Sam Darnold. They need to put all their resources into making sure he's as comfortable as possible back there. The Super Bowl should remind the Jets that they should not forget defense, because they have, they have, they're in a rare, lux luxurious position in which they have a once-in-a-lifetime talent on both sides of the ball. Sam Darnold, of course, man, uh, manning the offense. And on defense, Jamal Adams has a case. The safety Jamal Adams has a case to be not just the face of Jets football, but a chance to be the face of football in New York entirely. Because, you know, he's done a great job. You know, he's been very vocal about his desire to change the to change the the implications behind the term same old Jets. So that's definitely something to look forward to. But in today's league that worships offense, it worships fantasy football. Because look around this league. They have scoreboards in stadiums that are entirely dedicated to fantasy football stats. Fantasy football has become a deity that rules this league with an iron fist. And I think the Jets are finally getting to know that a little bit. They tried to, you know, be a little old school, try to be a little different with the hiring of Todd Bowles, and it did not work out to their favor. Had we been talking about this league just a couple years ago, Chris Richard, who, of course, did that drastic change in Dallas on the defense, would have been the ideal choice for them. He, of course, was the one who formed the league the boom down Seattle and shut down the, uh, the almighty Denver Broncos offense in Super Bowl Forty-Eight. Of course, held where else? MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, where, of course, the Jets play. So I definitely think this is going to be back to basics of sorts for the Jets. The Jets, you know, it's great to be unique. It's uniqueness wins championships for you sometimes, just as the Seahawks. But at the end of the day, you need to start conforming a little bit if you're going to, you know, stay with the Tides, if you're not just going to be another face in the crowd in this league. You so have to stay with the Tides, and you have to move forward. So I definitely think there's going to be more of an offensive emphasis on the ball this season. So that, that brings me to my other two topics. I think, and this, the the... The next, well, the second topic would be what playmakers they target in free agency. I mean, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, but um, maybe some others that you've heard of. But And I think the third and most important topic is what they do about the offensive line. We saw Spencer Long sign somewhere else. I watched the game from inside and out. Uh, I hardly watch. I only watch the ball after it's flicked or after the guy's tackled, essentially. And it's it's incredibly crucial. I mean, you look at it. The past three Super Bowls, the two teams that had the most games played together amongst the five guys, aka the most times they had the same five guys playing every year. The top two teams or the top team in each conference 
went to the Super Bowl the past three years. So we need to establish that offensive line. I mean, the Jets back when, what was it, eight years ago when they were good back in 09 in 2010, they had a stout offensive line riddled with young talent, veterans that they signed in free agency, and they don't have either right now. Uh, so what do you think that they do, not necessarily to get playmakers, but specifically offensive linemen? Well, it's like Spider-Man's Uncle Ben once said, with great power comes great responsibility. And the Jets have that power this offseason because you look at their, you look at the cap space they have, even with the extension they granted Quincy and Nunwa, which is for four years, $36 million, so $9 million a year, the Jets have ni- just under $96 million in cap space to spend this season. So they need to spend that money wisely. They can't go out all out per se on one player. And it's very interesting you mentioned the offensive line. Those are some great stats you pulled out. And a couple weeks ago I wrote a piece in that what sort of lessons the Jets of now can take from the Jets of yesterday, specifically 10 years ago yesterday, because those teams, of course, I know it seems like an eternity ago, those teams, of course, went to the AFC title game in back-to-back seasons. And one of the hallmarks of that team was the fact that they had a strong offensive line protecting a young rookie first round pick out of USC under center. Because look at the look at the names assembled on that line. There were guys like there were guys like Nick Mangold, DeBrickashaw Ferguson, who in my opinion goes down as one of the most underrated Jets in history. Many just know him as the guy the Jets chose instead of Matt Liner. But instead, but he went on to be one of the most reliable blockers and one of the most reliable names during his NFL era. And yeah, go- absolutely never missed a snap. Never, never missed a snap. Yeah. I think he missed one snap his entire career. Did not miss a did not miss a single start. So yeah. I think that you know he's snap winning. was in practice. The snap was in practice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done indeed. But um, and also not only was their offensive line a common a, a great showcase of homegrown talent in guys like Mangold. And Ferguson, they also brought in some great free agents to the tune of guys like Alan Fanica, to the tune of guys like Damian Woody. So what the Jets need to do is spend this money wisely. And, you know, maybe some of these guys aren't going to be the most high-profile selections that they bring in. A popular name that I've seen to bring in at running back, for example, rather than dedicating all your money to Le'Veon Bell, (coughs) excuse me, rather than dedicating all your money to Le'Veon Bell, maybe you you bring in a guy like Tevin Coleman, who has been reliable option for the Atlanta Falcons. So that's definitely someone I think they should bring in. And they definitely need to bolster this offensive line to protect Sam Darnold moving forward. Now, what's interesting about the Jets is that they have money, but that also comes with with the caveat that there's going to be a lot of free agents on their own squad that they have to sign. One of them has already departed, like you mentioned, Spencer Long. He's now in Buffalo now signing a three year deal earlier this week. So I definitely think that they need to focus on this offensive line. They need to get better in this in this free agency period, in this draft, as a matter of fact. And one area they also need to, to, to uh, toughen up is their pass rush because you're going into an AFC East for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future. Not only are you going to have to face Tom Brady twice a year, but best circumstances for the team in Orchard Park, you're going to have to be facing Josh Allen twice a year. And Josh Allen can be, as he proved this year, can beat you with both his arm and his feet. So you need to make guys like Josh Allen as uncomfortable as possible moving forward if you're going to be seeing him twice a year. They need to bolster that pass rush. They need to bring in a guy like jo- like another Josh Allen. How interesting would that be to see nah. Josh Allen in Kentucky sacking Josh Allen yep. above? Twice, twice a year. Exactly. <laughs> 
exactly. Yeah. Allen, yeah. By Allen. That'd be very draft Allen.com. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. But another name that I've seen has uh that's been getting seen for him a little bit is some interior help in the form of Quinn and Williams in yep. the, the tackle out of Alabama. Also, you have to consider what you need to get back in the second round, as a matter of fact, because if you're gonna build this team from within, you need to have as many draft picks as possible. And they don't they don't have a second rounder, that of course being shipped off to Indianapolis as part of the Darnold deal. So like I said earlier, they do have two thirds, I believe. They, they do, do have, have two thirds. thirds. Right, because of the Teddy Bridgewater yeah. trade. So Correct. They, they do own New Orleans' third rounder. But then again, I think you, you have to go in. You have to be picking in the second round on day two. It's great to have yeah. you know multiple third rounders. It's great to have more picks that are allowed to you going into day two. But go ahead. counter counter argument: Jets but, always blow their second round pick. Uh, I don't think they've had a second rounder on their team last three seasons later. I mean, you go back, Christian Hackenberg. Was Calvin Pryor, uh, was he a second rounder? I believe, yeah, it's just the second round list for years. I I would love to look at it, see who our best second rounder ever was. Oh, you're, ab- um, no, you're absolutely right about that, by the way, because I was looking at, uh, in fact, uh, general manager Mike McCagnin's first uh, draft class back in 2015, and only one player is, in fact, still on the roster from that point, that being Leonard Williams. And you're absolutely right about second round. There's t- at times have not been kind to them. Jason Morrow, for example, in 2014. Oh. Devin Smith, no longer in the Devin league. Devin Smith, yeah. Is in the AAF. Marcus May, I think, definitely has a chance to, you know, right that ship a little bit yeah. if he can stay healthy. He's done yeah, yeah. he's done a solid job so far, but he just has to stay healthy, as we saw with the issue. I, yeah, I love Marcus Smith, Marcus May. I think the two of them can be an Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor duo in terms of they complement each other so well. I mean, Marcus is extremely smart. He's a I don't want to say he's passive, but he doesn't have the that killer instinct that Jamal has, and you need safeties that complement each other like that. Not yet. I think I think what helped them, as a matter of fact, is their SEC upbringing. You know, they're united by that type of toughness, united yeah. by the fact that every single game, every single weekend means something, no matter who you play. So I definitely think Marcus' yeah. development is something we're going to look forward to over the past years, especially under the guidance of Greg Williams. So those are the things I think the Jets have to bolster this coming season. In this, or- in this order, let's yeah. put it in this order, they need to get the blocking help. I think that should be their primary concern, because when you have... As the Dallas Cowboys proved to us, as a matter of fact, and the Jets actually brought in, I believe his name is uh, Pollock, Frank Pollock, who helped assemble that Cowboys offensive line, brought him in as a blocking coach. You need to, as the Cowboys proved, a, a good offensive line can open up wonders for you in both the passing and run game. DeMarco Murray put up the best seasons of his career as a Cowboy, and Ezekiel Elliott got off to a fast start. So what you have to do, you need to bolster the offensive line, and that should be your number one concern going into this offseason. Number two, you need to bolster the pass rush. And then number three, you need to find guys who can contribute to the box score in the run and receiving game. Because receivers, some of these guys, you know, they emerged late last season. Guys like Anun, guys like Anun, he didn't emerge late last season, but, you know, he played well enough. He, he was played- hurt the front of the se- front half of the season. But yeah. he played well enough also. He came back from an injury that kept him out the entirety of 2017 and came back and displayed some strong resilience, some strong recovery, played played his way into a well-disturbed extension. Robbie Anderson is going to be another guy because Darnold developed some great chemistry with him. Chris Herndon, another guy who's developed 
who has developed into a strong talent, worked worked with Darnold as a rookie. The pair of rookies worked well together. So you need to add some playmakers. This next season, I believe, is going to be more of the same, more of a rebuild for the Jets. If you can emerge in that, you know, with a 7-9 or 8-8 eight eight mark, I think that's going to be, you know, classified as a success for them. Because, you know, New England, until further notice, has a monopoly on the AFCs. I think there are several other teams. You know, the South alone has three teams very much capable of contending for the playoffs right now. And we forget that the Jaguars are just one year removed from being an AFC finalist, potentially with a Super Bowl trip denied to them by poor officiating. But that's but that's another debate for another day. So I definitely think that the Jets, you know, are looking for some last season should have been the year that they look towards some progress. But unfortunately there was just, there was just too many disasters of last season. They, if they could have been pleased with, you know, playing with some good teams, like keeping, if they played the entire season, like they did those final four games in which they, you know, brought some very good teams to the brink. They brought the Houston Texans to the brink. They brought the Packers to the brink. The Packers ended up winning in overtime. They beat the bills. If they played like that the entire year. Oh yeah. It's fine with last season. No, but, it's not tough. Unfortunately, there were too many embarrassments, like blowing a two, like blowing a two possession game. Oh, uh, don't! No, 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 no! We can't go through the season. I'm going to start throwing stuff. I'm one of those. <laughs> um, no, it's it, look. The season, the season was beautiful. I, I think the bigger thing is you just need like this. This team has been so bad in the draft for so long that they don't have any depth whatsoever. I mean, it's a 53 man roster for a reason. They don't have any depth. You look. There's maybe. 10 guys on this team that other teams look at and say, I want him, right? I mean, uh, I mean, if we really want to go through him, we can. But, I mean, there's probably four on defense in, you know, Adams, Williams, Lee, uh, May, you know, maybe Tremaine Johnson at the right price. Like, there, there, are, there are a few guys. And then offense, you obviously have Darnold. Um, I think, I mean, Robbie Anderson, the Eagles tried to scoop him and the Jets wouldn't trade him. Um, Quincy and Nunwa, if he stays out, like they have maybe eight guys, but the rest of the team. And so that's why I think it's so important for them to draft well, but also I think they need to find the right system. And I'm, I'm, I've never been a four, three guy. I've never been a one gap system guy. I like two gap three, three fours, but you need smart players and you need linebackers. You need a big end. And I think the four, three switch will be perfect for this team, especially, I think it'll be perfect for Darren Lee. Um, feds, I, I don't want to, I mean, I could talk jets for the next three hours, but I, I don't know if we want to move on, um, go to other birds. things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go. Okay. Well, That's look, good, look. dude. I always talk about, uh, about the at the end of the day, we, we, we have a whole, we have a whole off season and I'm sure this won't be the last time for us to discuss. So maybe we'll, we'll move on to other things, but I, I did, I did want to get into, um, good and bad about Darnold, but we, we can do that maybe next, next episode. If you, uh, if you think that's. Yeah, let's, I'm looking, um, looking at the agenda. Yeah, so before we head in, we'll just talk a little bit about the All-Star Weekend. I mean, we're doing a great job, fellas. Uh, Jeff, again. The yeah, it's great ESPN to have you. Radio's yeah, own. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I wasn't on the air on ESPN. Right? You could say WMR Zone, the Magged Up Radio program. I, I'm doing a, everything in my power to bring that back. My goodness. <laughs> Jeff, what is it that you host on Twitter before we get into uh, Bets with Goose? Is it uh, Drive Time Sports? So what exactly is that? Like, Explain that for the listeners. Oh, that's, that is a segment I do on WSKO in Syracuse. I am on every Wednesday at 5 talking Jets, and I simply simulca- simulcast my segment on Periscope 
to you know increase increase promotion and increase any fan interaction people might have you know i try to talk i tried to do some q a's after i'm done on over there but uh they do a great job over wsko uh paul edson is the host over there he hosts drive time sports every weekday at three to six and he does a fantastic job over there uh we connected as a matter of fact because it's based in syracuse and he uh wanted to talk about tommy devito who of course is the don bosco prep <laughs> turned syracuse yeah quarterback of the future who maybe who will likely be starting there now that eric dungy has ended what feels like his 20-year tenure within central new york so but syracuse did a great job <laughs> they do they do a great job over there at drive time sports paul's a great guy he uh he and i talk a little bit uh, he and i do jets together at esny so uh that that's basically what i do over there it's just a segment for now back in college college was my thing where i hosted the uh the magged up radio program where I was basically on for two hours every Friday and took in calls. So I'm trying everything in my power to uh, have that be a thing again. So uh, thank you for that though. Thank you for yeah, asking. Dude, of course. And guys, again, um, as you can tell, Jeffrey is the man. That's why I've been best friends with him since fourth grade. You can find him on Twitter at Jeff max 5490. And don't forget, you can find the wide open sports cast on Twitter at wide open underscore sports. You can tell we missed football so much. We dedicate, a whole episode to it <laughs> um so great job fellas but and we could and i could do a i could do a whole nother three hours if we really wanted to dude totally <laughs> dude and, and it just shows it shows the power that football has over us right. like football's been over for a week and we spent an episode focused on it and how much we miss it but um before we wrap up for the week, we still got two quick segments. Um, first, uh, we said we're going to jump into a little bit. There, you could do a whole nother episode on the NBA right now, but we are going to hit a little bit on NBA All-Star Weekend. But before that, let's wrap up with the NBA All-Star Weekend and get into some bets with Goose. Woo. So, Goose, what do you got on your uh, bets this week? Tell uh, me, is that me button? taking... The USA Team USA tonight in the um, Rising Stars game at the over a good bet. <laughs> so the the current line is two ninety and a half. So uh, that means they they got to score roughly one forty five each, um, which I think is doable considering the Sixers scored about one forty four the other night. Um, <clears throat> I I kind of stay. I guess I can give you. You want to stay on this topic? I can give you some funny lines for the uh, three point contest and for the skills con challenge. Do the you current fa- the current favorite is the uh, DeAndre Fox at uh, three plus three forty, so three and a half to one. So is uh, Luka Doncic. He's at plus three fifty, and Nikola Jokic. So a lot of young guys in the skills challenge. I feel like we're gonna. It's a I, I, I was saying this at work, and you know, it used to be such a thing. All Star Weekend when we were like eight years old. I mean, you would the Gatorade dunk contest was always a big thing. Oh, dude, it's phenomenal! And that, the dunk and, contest was the best part of the whole weekend. And I don't know if it's just you get jaded over time, but I was talking to people who are older and younger than it. Just seems like the dunk, like you can only do so many renditions of the dunk before you've seen them all, and so it's lost a little bit of the mystique. Um, but I love the three-point competition, and the skills challenge is always awesome to see. So it's a bunch of young guys. Um, if I may, there's, uh, yeah. the dunk contest died when Blake Blake Griffin turned it into a Kia commercial. <laughs> I mean, I it love died when, Griffin, but you're right. I think the, I think the epitome, it wasn't necessarily a jump-the-shark moment because the moment itself didn't um, – 
wasn't over the top, but when Dwight Howard did the Superman, that was pretty much that. That was when it transformed from how many spins can I do to the showmanship of it. it I think that was the beginning of the end. It also turned into a case of we've done everything, so here we're going to add props into it. I exactly, believe. exactly. And the NHL went the same route with the shootout, which is why they changed it. I mean, you saw uh, OV put on the hat and everything. So, but with the three point, the three point competition, the three. Uh, sorry to cut you off. The three point competition seems very interesting in terms. of have through uh, five, Buddy Heald, Devin Booker, Joe Harris, and Seth Curry, all anywhere from five to six to one. Steph Curry is at 195, so he's less than two to one odds. I'm, I am going to be playing Dirk Nowinski at the long shot, 34 to one. I'm taking the old man, put a few bucks on it, and hope that he wins his last one, has a little mojo. Um, that's, that's really pretty much what it is. I mean, the All-Star game itself... The line is five and a half. Team LeBron is favored, um, which I I'm going to ride Team LeBron. Um, so I'm probably going to play that, but I'm really going to stay away from um, betting the other stuff. So any other questions, or do you want me to move on to? Uh, I I got um we're actually doing it so late that the lot the basketball lines came out for tomorrow. So I have uh, ten basketball games. If you want me to blow through those, yeah, hit it. By the way, you know what you know what competition they have to bring back in the NBA All Star Game. Maybe it's because I'm a New York Liberty yeah. and they've done a they do a great job over at the Liberty. I love I love covering them. They do a great job and everything. And I think they have to bring back the two ball competition in which they competed as cities. It was an NBA legend, a current NBA player, and a WNBA player. Yep compete in a series of you know skill competitions i remember yeah. asking liberty coach katie smith because uh she was at the detroit shock at the time and she was with bill lambeer and yep. i think it was rick aaron, hamilton maybe no, no 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 i think it was aaron aflalo i could be okay wrong. this is okay. gonna this is gonna this thing and i very much yeah for not knowing i remember no I, re I remember that it was really cool because yeah i remember that i and they, and it's they're all and then at the, so they all have their own shot and then at the end they all take a half court shot right like they exactly. take turns to see yes. who can hit yes. it. Yeah. I, that was it. That's right. And it was it was the same say and that actually we're gonna go on a real quick tangent. Okay, um, this just sparked my mind. Um, but Levitard show one of the funny little trolls they had this week was what if all of the sports teams were run by not general managers, but by the mayor of the town <laughs> and that towns and that towns could trade players inter sport. So you could have LA trade Mike Trout to Philly for Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey. Oh, that's most interesting. You, you know, or or you have, or you have James Harden traded. For, James Harden goes to, um, uh, you know, like Boston, mm -hmm. and then they then they send back like uh, Brad Marchand and uh, Tori. You know what I mean? It was just like, a, and, and people were calling in, and it was so great. It was like one was Sean McVay and Mike Trout from L.A. to get James Harden, and um, oh, there was one other, and uh, oh, and um, Jadavian Clowney. Now, that's an interesting one. That's okay. an interesting one. I think I think as the city of Houston, I would rather have Trout and McVeigh. Yes, yeah. Because I don't like James Harden. But yeah. anyway, sorry, that was a funny tangent. We'll 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 do that next show maybe. <laughs> very good, very good. All right. So anyway, so for the big for the college uh, basketball games, uh, I'm just gonna blow through some of them that I feel uh, you should uh, close your eyes and just hope that it hits. Michigan minus six over Maryland. Maryland's been poo poo. 
Purdue 13 and a half uh, over Penn State. Penn State is garbage. This is a big game. Uh, Tennessee uh, at Kentucky. I'm taking Tennessee. I think they're the best team in the nation. I'm taking them plus three. Kentucky does not show up in big games, in my opinion, this year. Uh, another one, Temple's plus one money line uh, at UCF, so I'm going to take them money line at South Florida. I pay a lot of attention to the Big East and American conferences. So UCF, you have the Central Florida at minus six to Memphis. This is my lock of the week right here, ladies and gentlemen. Iowa minus four at Rutgers. Rutgers is god-awful. Take Iowa minus four. Lay the house. You'll love Dude, it. I, I went and watched, um, obviously being a big Michigan fan, I watched Michigan Rutgers the other night with a few of our buddies and guess the outcome. They're bad. They're bad. They're but bad. I'm surprised Penn- that you took Michigan because Michigan hasn't been playing that well either. They lost no, they, uh, Penn State. No, they haven't been. And and Michigan recently, I believe they're like one in five in their last six against the spread. Um, I, I've just played Maryland a lot this year, and they've broke my heart. So I'm, I'm going against them here. Um, another one, uh, I don't know what that is. SLV LaSalle. Oh, sorry. St. Uh, Louis. St. Louis uh, University is playing LaSalle, one of the worst teams. I pretty much go against. I fade them every game, and it fades. I think they are it's something like stupid, like 15 and 4 if you fade them against the spread. So they're 4 and 15 against the spread. So that's a good one. Um, South Carolina and them boys, Frank Martin and them boys. I have been playing them every game, and I lose that bet every game. But I'm still going to play Frank Martin and them boys minus 4 against Texas A&M, another bad team. I like to scope out in college basketball when bad teams are playing. Um you know, they're playing home and for some reason they're minus two against a team that's better than them just because they're home. I like looking at those types of matchups. I got two more for you. Minnesota, minus three. Good team there. And last but not least, we have our Army-Navy matchup. Navy, I am a Navy guy through and through. Die, die Navy football. I'm going Army because Navy is just, oof, boy, are they bad. They both played Lee. They both played Lehigh, who is a good team, and they play consistent. So you could take it. They both played them in the past two weeks, and uh, Army lost by a, a field or four points, and Navy got smoked by thirty. So I'm riding Army there. Um, guaranteed seven out of the ten win or your money back. Just kidding. So any questions? I'll move on to the EPL. Oh, dude, please hit that EPL. So I have. So I have the EPL. I got three. Three, I like the odds, and then the fourth one is Arsenal at minus two thirty. Um, if you have, I know that the EPL is bad. off this week because they're going into the FA Cup this week. Yeah, I didn't know exactly when we were going to. And again, there's only so many things on a Friday that have odds. So this is all like you're right. This is all looking forward. Um, but uh, yeah, no, who does uh, the Arsenal scum? Oh, sorry. So Southampton. Second second worst team in the EPL, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I like them at minus 230. I, take, I mean, graded Arsenal lost to a team that is literally named after a bunch of tractor engineers right. um, on uh, yesterday. But I would take them over Southampton there. Yeah, these are all, now that I'm looking at the dates, they all are next week's games. But uh, I guess we'll bang them out. I like the Spurs minus 150. Playing Burnley. Come on, um, you Spurs! I like that. I like that. Even though they're away, minus one fifty is good odds. West Ham at one fifteen. 
Uh, Fulham's not not the best. That's actually probably my lock of, the, of them all. And then the Man U Liverpool game. That that one's going to be a great game next week. That's I don't a know. Too. Yeah, so that's why I'm just going over two and a half there. I, th- I think we see a two to one game. Um, so that's why I went there. Oh, um, United Liverpool with the way both teams are playing right now at two and yeah. a half. I would easily yeah. take the over yeah. there. Yeah, I think I I, I I really like that. It was even money. Um, the one and a half was like minus four hundred. So just to go up to two and a half to get even money was uh, was was a simple move. So, uh, and last but not least, we'll move to golf, my favorite to bet. Um, made a killing last week. Did not take Phil until Sunday and just started laying heavy. He was in second place. 50. And I just kept laying him. And he eventually won. So that was a big. Uh, so what I'm going to point out real quick, um, it's what we call a hedge or an, arbit- an arbitrage, ladies and gentlemen. And so what you can do is you can take the top three golfers who are to- uh, Justin Thomas, Adam Scott, and J.B. Holmes, who are at minus nine, minus nine, and minus eight, respectively. You can play all three guys and guarantee a win if you do your odds or your units correctly. You have Thomas at basically three to one, Scott at five to one, and J.B. Holmes at 17 to one. So if you go five, and I'm sorry if I'm droning, if you go five to three to one units, if one of them wins, every nine units that you bet, you'll win nine units back. If that makes so, that's an even bet. Yeah, a lot of times you don't. A lot of, but a lot of times the arbitrages don't work that way. For instance, I usually do it for the college playoff, uh, for the final form in football. I'll take three of the four teams and I'll bet that I will lay it so that the odds works out where as long as one of the teams wins it covers the other two's losses and then some. So that's what this is right here. So uh, 5-3-1 is the current ratio. So every $9 you put up, you would win 9 back regardless of who wins. I really like that. I don't see anyone else on the leaderboard that makes a charge. Uh, Spieth is right there. He's at minus 7, but... I haven't, and I'm a huge Jordan Jordan fan, but I haven't seen his switch. The putting is just not there. Um, he's not confident. I don't see it. He was very good day one. He was even today. The other guys were minus three, minus four. So I really like, again, if I had to choose any of them, I would choose Justin Thomas. The guy is an absolute machine. But nothing wrong with playing the other two and guaranteeing yourself some money. And that is it for the Goose Gambling with Goose. The goose, very well done, Blaze. Last la- last week, last week we did pretty well. If you guys listened to my bets, uh, the Bournemouth, Liverpool, Spurs, Crystal Palace, we went three one there. So track record starting. And let's just hope that we keep it rolling. Am I right? I mean, I I'm up. I mean, well, not to brag, I'm up ninety two units since September. Units. What is this? Yeah, you, you keep you, you keep your. No, you keep your units to yourself. So a unit is what you're willing to bet. So like one unit to me might be two, three, five, ten dollars. One unit sense, to yeah. one unit to a, a Vegas guy might be twenty thousand dollars, right? So like oh, if he says, so like if he says he's up twenty thousand dollars, if it's one unit, that's not impressive. Whereas if I say I'm up seven hundred dollars, give or take. If that's ninety, that's plus ninety-two units. That's pretty good. You know what I mean? Or, or so. You know, I never thought of it that way. That is very interesting. Yeah, it's because it, you don't want to be like it's. It, it's like and I, uh, the guys at Barstool loved cracking on uh, Darren Ravel, saying, "Oh, you're talking at the 
<laughs> Sorry. Sheesh. No, nah, dude, I'm so sick too. Uh, if you guys haven't told uh, our listeners, I have a wicked cold right now. That's the sound. The sound I've been quality. Away from the mic a little bit. <laughs> the sound quality is just probably terrible this week. Um, but no, it's it's one of those things where like you hear people talking like, "Oh, I made so much this much money." It doesn't matter if you're betting more than that. You know, if you're betting five grand to win two grand, doesn't mean as much if a guy bets two dollars and makes twenty dollars. Do you know what I mean? Like he's yeah, smarter. That makes so. sense. So yeah. that's what you said, and that's why I always tell people you talk in units. So, anyway, there's your gambling lesson for the week, ladies and gentlemen. Very well done, Goose. So, gentlemen, let's that wrap will. it up this week. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down the list, and I'm going to give you the main four main aspects of NBA All-Star Weekend, of course, starting tomorrow. And what I would like you to do is tell me who do you think is going to be your winner. Jeff, are you ready? Fire away. Glee, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, so skills challenge. We have Conley. We have Luka Doncic, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Jokic, Kyle Kuzma, Jason Tatum, uh, Vucevic, and Trey Young. Who are you taking in the skills challenge? I will personally follow the goose and take De'Aaron Fox. I think I'm going to go Luka on this one. Yeah, I actually said I was taking both because they both were at three and a half to one. I say Luca probably wins it, but okay. I would lay I would lay I would lay one and a half units on both. How about the three point contest? We've got Booker, we got Steph and Seth Curry, we got Danny Green, we have Joey Buckets Harris, dude, those Brooklyn Nets, baby. Even though they're kind of doing not that good right now, we got Dame Lillard, we've got Buddy Hield. We've got Middleton, and we have Kemba Walker, and making his last appearance in the NBA three contest, riding off in the sunset, is the Sheriff Dirk Nowitzki. I'm going to take the homeboy Joey Bucketaris. I'm going to take the true technic, uh, the true literal homeboy of this competition, being held in Charlotte. All Kemba Walker, of course, I reserve the right to change my vote if. Courtney Vandersloot of the Chicago Sky shows up, but put me down for Kemba right now. <laughs> what do you think, uh, Goose? I like both picks. Kemba at sixteen to one is really tasty. Um, I think I think I'm gonna still, as I said, I'm gonna ride Dirk at thirty four to one, and then I'll hedge it with Steph winning because he probably will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, last part of the Saturday, um, the skills contest will be the dunk contest. We have Dennis Smith Jr. off of the New York Knicks who just won for the first time in 19 games. Yep, F in the chat. Quick uh, moment of silence for them. And then we have Miles Bridges. We have Hamadou uh, Diallo. And we have John Collins. I'm going to take DSJ here. I think the Knicks will take home some title this year, and that will be the dunk title. (laughs) Words right out of my mouth, Adam. I'm going to go the DSJ as well. I'm going to go with the Nova guy. Bridges. I will say I w- it is interesting that, I mean, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously. Um, Jeff, we can thank your existence to Villanova. Yes, that's my parents met at Villanova, so if not for Nova, I don't exist, so I kind of have a life debt to them. <laughs> there you go. Um, 
I, I feel like for how good that Villanova team was, we really haven't heard that much from them. So it's good to see Miles Bridges. Like, you know, I feel like I really, um, whatever happened to, uh, what's his face who smoked us in the national championship? Uh, Chris Jenkins. Not Chris Jenkins. Against Michigan. Oh, Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, where where's DiVincenzo? Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, fits right in out there. Dude, that Nova team is good. But yeah, I'm taking DSJ. Like we didn't get more NBA talking, man. My Sixers are turning. So, uh, so while we're on it, before we jump into the uh, game this week, Lee, how do you feel about the fact that the Sixers are what, like two, one and seven or two and seven against the Celtics, Pacers, Bucks, and uh, the yeah, they, how does that make no, you feel? I, I, I'm not concerned about any of that. I am. What concerns me is they're ten, they're two and ten in their last twelve against Boston. That's the one that concerns me because. It's shaping up that they play Boston in the 4-5 matchup to start. Because yeah, Boston's probably going to get the 4. No, no. The Sixers are now 4. I saw the Sixers were 5. Uh, I guess because they lost. They lost to the, I don't know. They were. It was. It was 4. The Sixers were 4 for a long time. Yeah, okay. But regardless, the, the two of them are hopping back and forth. Um Honestly, I'd rather them drop to six and play the Pacers, even though the Pacers are the hottest team in the league right now with the seven straight wins. Um, I, it, I'd i rather play them without Old Depot. I, I'm not – the East doesn't concern me just because when it comes to regular season versus postseason, bench minutes shrink and superstars matter when it comes to the postseason in the NBA more than any other league. And – the Boston and Toronto are the only teams I think can match up against the Sixers starters. I mean, it's something, and, and it strictly comes down to if you can, you can't stop Joel Embiid. He's the goat. You could slow him down. And Ibaka and Orford are those older. They, they're savvy vets. They know exactly how to play him. They get in his head. They, they position themselves to the point where Joel who thinks he's the best because he is the best, takes shots when they give them to him, as opposed to other guys who, you know, might not guard him as well. And so they struggle against him. I'm not I'm not concerned with Milwaukee at all. I don't see Milwaukee being a threat in any sort of way. So there's my two cents on the Sixers. They'll figure it out. Brett Brown's a genius. Uh, T.J. McConnell is the sixth man of the year. Moving on. Okay. Speaking of Milwaukee, let's close it out. For the week, boys. All-star game, Team LeBron or Team Giannis? I think we've, we're pretty much all going to be in agreement here, uh, Team LeBron, because you look at the disparity between the two. Yeah, I'll go Team LeBron this one. I think uh, I, I like I like Giannis to death. He's a heck of a player. But uh, Team LeBron's just too stacked right now on paper. So, first What two- do you guys think about the fact that he's all signed uh, to his all-star team players who – uh, have contract issues. <laughs> I I, th- I think that's uh, you know typical petty Lebr- LeBron James antics, but uh, that's that's like things, that's like really his thing. Hey, it's working for him so far, isn't it? People still consider him. There are certain few that still call, call him the greatest player in the world. But uh, hey, guy knows what he's doing. I think in some aspects, he uh, he knows how to put on a good show. So more power to him in that regard. Uh, first to two hundred wins, Team LeBron takes it on Sunday. Goose, who are you taking? Well, 
I'm going with Team LeBron. Um, pretty self-explanatory why. He's this. Yeah, I nothing else to add. Well said, Jeff. <laughs> oh, thank you. Excellent, boy. So great having you guys on board this week, um, Jeffrey. Again, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you for your first time back. And Goose, great to have you back for your second time in two weeks. Um, let's get to the sign-offs. Goose, you got any closing remarks? Uh, no. <laughs> Have fun, boys. What about you, Jeff? Pleasure to be on the program this week. Thank you for having me. Episode 44. Hopefully, here's to at least 44 more and counting. Keep up the great work, guys. It was a pleasure to be on. Hopefully, we could do it again sometime. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, boys, for being a part. And again, this is the Wide Open Sports Cast. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Wide Open underscore Sports. And again, give them a follow. You can find Jeff Mags on Twitter at Jeff Mags 5490. And again, you can find the Wide Open Sports Cast on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, and TuneIn at Wide Open Sports Cast. This has been the Wide Open Sports Cast. Signing off for Jeff Magliaschetti. I said his name right. God Nailed damn it. it. Yes. And Oof. Joe the Goose Gleason. I am Feds. Enjoy your weekends, everybody, and we hope to see you back soon. I took Quinnipiac minus five. Do you believe these guys are our future leaders in America? Thank you so very much for all the appreciation and all the great moments that we've experienced together. You stay classy. That's all, folks.